Excellent. We are now live. Fantastic. Ready to talk about starting a business. What I'll do is I'll just mute you guys when you're not talking. Um, I'll just do that automatically. You guys can unmute yourselves if you ever need to say anything. But it just stops the background noise getting into the recording. Um, and I think both of you guys, uh, hopefully you're familiar with Zoom. If not, there's a little chat box. Um, looks like a speech bubble with three dots in it. If you click on that, you'll open up a thing and you'll see me saying hi there. Yep, there it is. Most familiar with that. Fantastic. Um, so if at any point while I'm ranting along, you want to get my attention, you can just chuck the word question in there or you can type in your comments if you just wanted to sort of uh, drop some noise in there but not look in the chat. Um, and what I will get you guys to do to get started is chuck in a comment about where you're at with this topic so far. So today we're talking about starting a, a yeah, our rooms are messy, it's funny. I've just moved in, so this, I've just got crap everywhere and yeah, I'm still working on it. Um, so today we're talking about starting a service-based business, or we could just say starting a small business. Um, we will talk a little bit about the difference between a product business and a service business, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the stuff that we'll be talking about today is just general to starting any sort of business, but we'll be focusing on being in service. And if you guys in the comments, if you could just share a little bit about where you're at so far. So if you've got a business idea, you're just thinking about it, you're just generally curious about entrepreneurship, or if you've actually gotten started with something, if you don't want to share anything that you want to keep confidential, of course, that's fine. But just kind of where you're at, you've got started, have you already got clients or you're trying to, um, kind of where you're at in your journey and, and what part you're struggling with the most. Okay, so if you guys can share where you're struggling, um, then we can we can look at answering your specific questions uh, as we go along. Christian, welcome along, mate. Hopefully you can hear. Give us a little wave if you can hear and see us. Yep, good. Wave, thumbs, they're both good. Um, so I was just saying, Christian, if, if everyone can put into the group chat a little update on where they're at with entrepreneurship, um, from just thinking about it through to already in action, whether or not you've got clients, that kind of thing, and particularly what you're struggling with, what you want support with, what this call needs to answer for it to be really valuable for you. Uh, Alex said, you are about online business. Um, a service business can be online, in person, everything. Online is just a platform. It's just a space for a business to take place. So there isn't, in terms of the methodology, there isn't a difference between being online and being face-to-face. -face. There would just be a difference in the techniques, okay? The equipment you use, the, um, the way your business is set up in terms of how you engage with people. But the principles are all going to be the same. Awesome. So yeah, so Alex, you had an actual in real life shop, what we call brick and mortar. Um, and that's fine because everything we talk about today could be applied to 
something real and real life sort of thing and something online. So it could be a yoga class that you actually run at a studio, or it could be like I do coaching online or a large part of my business is me being online. Um, so I've got some ideas. That's great to see you guys sharing. Um, so Yuan, you're in the personal branding stage, looking where your value is to the world. So looking at what it is that you'll do, that's going to be valuable. Um, and how that might transition into a company. In terms of the questions you have about registering a company um, and legal stuff, I would recommend doing a separate search online because it's different country by country. Um, and there's just great resources, usually on the government websites, about what you need to know starting a business legally. I will talk about establishing pricing, which is much more of a general business concept. Cool. Um, but... Yeah, all the stuff I needed to know about registering my business was all on the government website, business.gov, whatever it is. Okay, that stuff's all really set out clearly there. Uh, Christian, you're trying a couple of traditional businesses, being a middleman. Okay, we'll talk about brokering, selling products on behalf, and you want to start something 100% online. Cool. All right, we will have a look at, hopefully as we go on, you guys will... Uh, have a bit more specific issues arise as we kind of tackle some of the stuff that you've brought up. Cool, and we'll be able to nail down exactly what it is that's getting in the way. So let's get into it. Um, first off, I want to talk about what I mean by a service-based business. Okay, because service and product is actually, there's a huge overlap between those. Even if I'm providing a physical object as a product, it's a service for me to provide it. You know, so in a sense, there's a service there. Uh, and even though, say, coaching, like I do, is a service, it's also sold as a product. You buy a package of, service, of, of coaching as a product. So while there's huge overlap, what, when I say service-based business, what I mean is someone is essentially paying you for your time. That's what I mean by a service-based business, okay? And that's one of the key kind of themes that will come through today. But bear in mind, most of what we talk about today would also apply to a product-based business. But the reason I'm, I'm talking about service-based business is because when you're selling your time, you're almost definitely looking at a business that's more about meaning than it is about profit, okay? I mean, if you're all about profit, if you just want money and you don't care how that money comes in, it doesn't need to be a satisfying process for you, then you're really looking at a product-based business. You don't want to get into a service-based business that's all about money because that will destroy your soul, okay? Because you're just, then you're just kind of whoring yourself out in, in hours, right? Doing something you don't want for time. This is, how, this is why I kind of encourage people to, who have been employees for a while to start thinking about entrepreneurship because if you're doing a job you don't like, then you're whoring yourself. You're giving up your hours to somebody else to help them make more money. Um, a service-based business is where if, if you really want to nail it, it's where you enjoy the activity so much you would do it for free and you're just clever enough to have found out a way to get paid to do it, which is kind of like the ultimate life. And in my experience, it really does feel like that. I get paid to do something I enjoy to do. It almost seems like not fair, you know? <laughs> it seems weird that I, um, I'm allowed that privilege. That's the kind of business I want to talk about setting up today. Okay, one where 
you make sure you collect your fee, but you love doing what you're doing. You love what you're spending your time on. A solely product-based business, similar to, I think, the one that um, Christian's referring to here where you're selling somebody else's stuff. You're essentially the, uh, the salesperson. If you don't like the stuff you're selling and you don't like the process of selling, you don't like being a salesperson, then there's no satisfaction in that whole range there. And it's not that that's a bad idea. It's just not the best idea. You can actually enjoy your job. I don't see any reason why anybody has to not enjoy their job. Okay. Because there's always a way to make money doing something you like. Always. All right. I want to start by setting up an example that I saw on the internet and I've since uh, validated. I've checked out to see if it was real. There's a guy, <laughs> I shared it a while ago. His job is essentially to stare at people. So what he does is you pay many hundreds of dollars to go to a seminar and for hours he just sits on stage and just stares and you just look into his eyes. That's it. He doesn't say a word. I haven't been able to find any documented evidence of him speaking at all. Okay. People pay hundreds of dollars just to look into his eyes and they're nice enough eyes, but that's it. All right. If he can get paid to do that, you can get paid to do anything. He's literally getting paid to sit still. Okay. So any doubts you have in your head that what you love to do can end up being a paid profession. Never forget that guy. I'll find the link and I'll send it through to prove he's a real dude. If you can get paid to sit still and look at people, then it's not really about what it is you're doing. It doesn't have to be inherently valuable by some objective standard. He made it valuable. And the people give him great reviews, you know? I don't know what they say, but like, <laughs> he really did sit still, you know, well done, or whatever. But they get a lot of pleasure out of looking into his eyes, so on. He found a way to give value to a world, least possible effort, huge profit. Okay. Um, if you're going to get into a product like Alex says here, it can be a mixture. If you're going to get into a product-based business and you want that to be meaningful, make sure you like the product. Make sure you want the world to have the product. Not just you want the money in your bank account, but you would use it yourself. You think the world's missing out on this thing. And so essentially you are in a service-based business. Your service is to provide the product, to, to be the advocate for this thing, to be the uh, emissary for it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like the product, you can't sell it. You can, but you have to sell your integrity. You know, I've been in that business myself. Um, I was trying to get people to sign up to this book service that I didn't even, I never would have signed up to myself. And I really had to pour on the charm and be someone I wasn't because the real me would have said, no, nah, don't do it. Just buy your books yourself, which wouldn't have worked for that job. Okay. So all I wanted to say there is when I say service-based business is you're getting paid to, for your time to do an activity you actually like doing. Now, every service-based business also has activities required that you won't love as much, okay? The, the complementary activities that help in the background building up the business. But what I'm talking about is the main element of your work, the thing that takes up most of your hours and is the, the service. You got to like that bit. You can't be a yoga teacher if you hate stretching, okay? Um, you can't be a plumber if you hate dirty water. It's just not going to work. You have to love what you're doing 
put it this way, you have to want to do it for free anyway. Okay. We're just going to find a way to get paid doing it. So coming to, to Yuan's question, which is where I'm starting with this is how to figure out what that business is and what that service is. I want you to think less about a business, like something that sells and makes money and more about an activity that you love to do and translating that into something that provides value for others. Okay. If you try to think of, but it has to uh, make some sort of money with your limited experience and knowledge of business, you're going to think that that's not possible with certain things. Okay. We can see from the guy who stares at people for a living. If you think something can't possibly make money, you're wrong every time. You just don't know how it can be done yet. But the problem is you won't see this limitation. So if you think, okay, I've got to start a business, your brain will limit every possibility down to the ones it thinks can possibly make money. And everything that's outside of that range just won't even occur to you. Like maybe you like throwing a stick for your dog. It won't even occur to you that you could get paid to do that. Right? Because it won't be in the safe financial range inside your mind. But your safe financial range is not accurate. Once you've been in business for a number of years and experienced a, a lot of work with other entrepreneurs, you'll realize, fuck, there are no limits. Anything could be a business if you understand marketing, if you understand building relationships. So rather than thinking about what can I do to make money, I want you to think about what's an activity I love that can provide value to others. Start with that and then you figure out the money thing. Okay. So one of the first, I think one of the questions that really helped me design my business was what problem do you want to solve? What problems do you love solving? Okay. And what I mean by you love solving, the process of solving it is enjoyable, not just coming to the solution, but working on the problem is enjoyable. Okay. Especially when that problem is personal. See, what really helped me design my coaching and, and Brojo was everything I talk about is my own shit I'm trying to solve. I love figuring out how to be more confident. I love figuring out how to manage my brain and understand my psychology. I love figuring out how to connect with people and how to stop feeling lonely. I had to solve all those problems for myself, and some of them are ongoing. I have to keep solving them. It's a new challenge every day to live by my values. And I'm always trying to figure out a better way to do it. So then I'm thinking like, how do I provide that to others? That same problem solving process. How do I get someone else uh, to let me do that for them or to help them with it? Even if you think about like, say, dancing as a service, like if you're a dance teacher, there's all sorts of problems you're solving with dance teaching. You're solving, how can I get fit in a way that I don't hate? You know, how can I meet people without it being weird? Right? How can I fill my week with more enjoyable activities? These are problems that dancing solves. Right? And that's the real mindset of business is how do I solve a real problem that a certain niche of people really struggle with and they can't find that solution elsewhere? Right. 
Yoga solves the problem of all sorts of health issues. Trades, it solves the problem of all these issues that you have around your house and your car that you're not good enough to solve. You know, you're not smart enough to solve yourself or you don't have the time to solve. You know, financial advice solves money problems for people. Whatever it is, something you love doing that can be translated into solving various problems. And like I gave the dancing example before, you're going to open your mind to the idea that everything you love doing is a solution to a problem that you might not even know about. It was amazing to me when I got into dancing how like 90% of the people there weren't there to dance, they were there for self-development. That's how they got into it. They're looking for something to challenge themselves, get out of their comfort zone. You know, half of my first like wave of clients came from the dancing community as a coach. I was like, holy shit, they're not here to dance. They're here to solve the problem of my life's not meaningful enough. I'm not meeting people in an interesting way. My dating life sucks. I need to meet people in a more natural way. Dancing was a solution to all those problems. I wouldn't have never thought of that. Right? So something you love doing is a solution to somebody else's problem. Let's say you love playing video games. Well, companies need beta testers. They need to know if their games work properly. That's a real fucking job. You can get paid quite a lot to pay, play video games, right? Because it solves somebody's problem. Your job is first to figure out what you love doing, figure out what problems it solves, and then find people who have those problems. That is the business, okay? You, you solve that equation, you got yourself a business, anything, any piece of, of activity. Some other questions. What would you do for free? even if it's to help other people. You know, what would you give up your time for? Because it wouldn't feel like you're giving up your time. It'd feel like you're spending your time wisely. It'd feel like a meaningful use of your time. I love that what Alex says, selling comic books and tabletop games, you're chatting to people about it. You're in your element. All of that is a range of activities that you enjoy doing, from talking about it, to playing it, to reading it, to doing it. That's the key here. You know, you're right, you're right in the thick of your element, where you would be there, like, it's great, like, you know you should be running a comic book store if you'd go there as a customer, you know, regularly. And you'd stay and hang around and chat to the guy who worked there. So easy to just become the guy who works there. Reverse it. If you love making sandwiches, set up a deli, you know, there's just anything can reverse it. If you're a customer of something, you can become the seller of that thing. I mean, I got a lot of coaching before I became a coach, right? A few other questions to help you with this. What are you good at that you also enjoy doing and would like to improve on? You know, you notice how many people in martial arts, so once they get to black belt, they become teachers. Because delivering the service, not just receiving it, actually enhances their skills. I learned the same thing with dancing. Once I started teaching people how to dance, my, my development just like did that hockey stick movement. just went way up. Because actually, it's the same with coaching. My own self-development spiked when I started coaching because I had to face like all sorts of stuff. Like I'd be talking to a client and realize I'm being a hypocrite. I'm not doing the thing I'm telling him to do. And I'd have to go sort that out or he'd have some new way of looking at it 
because he's got a different life to me and that would give me insights and so on. Something I couldn't do on my own. You know, but most importantly, how do you take that thing you love and improve somebody else's life? Right? Improve it so much that they would pay for that. How do you take that topic that you love, that activity that you love, that passion you have for something, and improve someone's life with it? Coming back to that first question, how do you solve one of their problems? A problem that they really want to solve. So you aren't saying here, sharing knowledge with others, things you enjoy, life hacks, life coaching, life lessons, create ways to solve real life problems and interesting experiences. A billion ideas come out of that. Blogs, books, meetup groups, setting up an obstacle course. You know, there's, there's so many things where that can happen. Becoming a coach is in there. Yeah. You don't have to go outside of the stuff you love to find something that seems more profitable. Think more, how do I make the thing I love also profitable? Yeah. Another great way to think about it is how can you minimize effort for others? So if you aren't, if you've already put all this work into learning all that stuff, you can be the shortcut for people. They don't have to go and read all the shit you've read. You can sum it up for them. Like one guy I know, he does a thing called Philosopher's Notes where he reads all the great books and then gives you a 10-minute summary of it so you don't have to read the book. You just get the key highlights. And he adds his own twist to it and he talks in this interesting way. And so I'd rather watch 10 minutes than spend a day and a half reading a book. He also helps me figure out if I need to read that book or not. His summary, I'm like, eh, that sucks. I don't have to go through the trouble of figuring that out for myself. So he's just minimized effort for me. Something I want to do anyway, read self-development books and business books. He does it for me and he tells me what's up. A question come through here. Dan, how do you deal with being a beginner and not being prepared enough? You get compared to more experienced, prepared competitors. Yeah, we're going to talk specifically to that because anyone starting a new business is worse than competitors. So we want to make sure you don't have any competitors. Okay, that's the angle that we'll be going. You either got to be better than them or just not have any. That's what we're going to have a look at. Okay. Cool. Um, Alex says, everything is extremely dependent on economical situation and country you live in. I'm going to say not true because of the online world. You can have clients all over the world if you have internet access. Okay, I get paid in American dollars, I get paid in pounds. All of that, none of that is prevented unless you're in a country that actually prevents internet access. Okay, even if they prevent something economical, you can set up bank accounts in other countries. There's all sorts of things you can do where where you physically live is not relevant to your business. Technically, my business is based in New Zealand and I'm sitting here in the Czech Republic. Everything legal about my business is New Zealand. Yeah. Even if you can't get money from foreign people, there is a solution to that problem. There are middlemen. There are bitcoins. There's PayPal. There's always a way. This is the kind of thing, I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is the kind of thing that stops someone getting started. They assume these problems are unsolvable rather than trying to find out if they can be solved. Now, maybe you're right. Maybe these are unsolvable. 
but nothing you've listed here um, is anything I haven't seen solutions to before. Okay. We're going to talk about that. That's why the money thing has to come second. Okay. Because most of the issues that will stop you starting a business or, or being successful in it will be imagined money issues. Some of them you'll be correctly predicting, but most of them you won't. <laughs> think about how many people have money issues out there. So think about how many people have businesses to solve those money issues. Right? I employ probably eight different businesses to manage money for me. I got PayPal, I got Chargebee, I got Merchant Banking, I've got TransferWise. Okay, I've got all these little elements to help me overcome all the steps and stumbles. Now they all take their cut, and that stings. But I get some at the end, you know. There is somebody out there, for example, looking at the issue you brought up. PayPal doesn't let you get money out if you got them from somewhere outside of Russia. There's somewhere out there Somebody's made a business to solve that problem. You know, if you Google, how do I get my money or something like that? How do I get money when I'm living in a country that won't let me get it? You know, somebody's paid a lot of money to have that Google search as their advertised term for their website. Somewhere out there, somebody solved the problem. And if there hasn't been a solution to that problem, there's a business opportunity for you to become the solution. One of the best things in the world to find a good business is when you're looking to solve a problem and you can't find an answer. You think, is anybody else looking for the solution and can't find it? Can I be the one who solves it? Because then you've got no competition because you've looked and nobody's doing it. This is how the best businesses are formed. Virgin Airlines, right? All these people missed a flight. Nobody could get there, right? So Richard Branson hires a pilot in a plane and now he's got an airline company because nobody else could get those people there. Right. Of course, most of us can't hire a plane right out of the gate. No, actually, he did it without any money somehow. Anyway, um, look, I'm not saying there aren't legal considerations, but don't let that scare you off exploring the activity you love and seeing if it can be made profitable. Most of the exploration will not require you to cross any legal or obligation lines. You can explore without getting your foot trapped. All right. So we're going to move on, but I really want to emphasize, unless you are 100% sure that you have searched everywhere that can be searched and there is no solution to this problem, then assume that you're missing something rather than assume I shouldn't get started. All right. There are guys in the heart of like the Congo the worst regimes you could possibly live in, and they've got successful businesses. Right? There are people who live in villages that don't have enough water, and they've still got a business. can always be done if there's no limits in your mind. Right? It's been done since the dawn of human civilization, and things were always harder back then. Right? So if they could do it, we can too, but they just had to start with a limitless space. First, you've got to find the activity. Um, right. So looking at the competition problem, right? You can start a new category or you can overtake a current category, right? Now, if you try to overtake a current category, then you're going to have competition. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it depends. 
If, for example, I just do something normal like yoga and there's nobody else who teaches yoga in my town, then I don't have competition because it's a very localized type of business. But as soon as somebody else starts up a yoga studio and charges $10 an hour less than me, I'm fucked. If all they're doing is just my type of yoga for cheaper, or if there's already six people doing it, then I'm getting a small slice of the, of the pie, or so it would seem, and we'll have a look at this soon. Whereas if I start a new category, let's say I did a fusion of two different types of dances that nobody's ever done before, then I have no competition. You can't get that anywhere else. And this is why bringing yourself into the business is so important. You take whatever it is you love to do and you do it your way, nobody else can compete with you on that. Right? You can see this in the dance world quite a lot, is there'll be a lot of studios that teach the same style of dance, but they're not really in competition because they're different styles of teaching. You can only get this type of teaching from this person. Right? Or you can only get that experience from that person. But again, it's still competition. If you add your own twist to a current category, if you add your own flavor to it, then there's no competition. Brojo is a great example for that. There are other men's groups out there, but there's none done like Brojo has done. There's none with our particular values, our particular flavor, our particular focus, our particular way of doing things. If you want that, you have to come to Brojo. If you just want a men's group, fucking millions of options out there. Too many, if anything. Well, not really, but should be more. Right? But the Brojo style of men's group, there's one. Right? It's the same coaching. There's billions of coaches. It's ridiculous now. Right? But confidence coaching for nice guys and people pleasers based on honesty and integrity, that's way more rare. Okay? So I'm doing my particular style, and that came from trying to solve a problem that affects me personally. Okay? So if you just try to, like, how do I get into a market? If you're starting with money, then you're going into competition. If you start with your very unique, detailed, specific way of doing something, you're starting with no competition. As long as that solves a problem, even if there's other people who solve that same problem, but they don't do it your way, then there's no competition. I can have a yoga studio in a town full of yoga studios if it's hot yoga and nobody else is doing hot yoga, right? Or if I also include like self-development style seminars during the yoga, I add my own flavor because I've got that. I combine two of my passions, which is a great way to do something. You know, being a ski instructor is high competition. But being a ski instructor who also gives you a tour of the natural landscape and gives you a history of the country because that person's also really interested in local history, no competition. You can only get that from that guy. So whatever it is you're thinking about doing it, don't try to think no competition because that's a money thought. But think what's my specific, exact, perfect way that I love to do it and nobody else. You know, if I'm going to set up a comic book store, how would I do it? rather than copying other comic book stores. What are the other comic stores missing that I'm going to put in mind? Which means you could only get this thing at my one. Right? Doing something unique also allows you to dictate pricing so you don't have to get, like if, if I go in to compete with other people, I have to adjust to the market. 
you know, if I'm a plumber and all I do is plumb, then, and my skill level is the same as another plumber, it will come down to price. I just can't charge more than that person and hope to get business unless those people aren't doing their research. Right. But me coaching nice guys using honesty and integrity and values as the main sort of uh, concept behind it and charge whatever I want. I charge what I think I'm worth because it's not just coaching versus coaching. And the great thing is about a lot of, especially personal one-to-one service-based businesses is you are naturally going to add a unique flavor to it. Even with the yoga example I keep shitting on, your style of teaching, the way your energy, your personality, that itself is going to be your unique selling point. And some people might pay double because they prefer the way you do it. Right? But if I'm just teaching guitar, for example, and all I am is teaching guitar, it doesn't have any special flavor to it, I'm going to have to charge what other guitar teachers charge or I'm going to quickly run out of business. Right? I can charge more, but I better be able to be better than those other ones. They would have to learn faster with me and have better reviews. Yeah. So some examples or just some um, categories to think about. Trades and crafts, so stuff you can build, do with your hands, create, fix, you know, really uh, handyman type stuff. IT solutions, there's an endless bottomless market for IT solutions because IT keeps upgrading. If you're particularly good at one particular thing, make sure it's something that's not about to go obsolete, but you know, something that nobody else is solving the way you solve it. The whole consultancy, coaching, training, teaching field. Yeah. And advocacy, brokering, mediation field, the being the middleman between two parties. Yeah. It's a great consulting role that there's a lot of companies that need that, but they don't need it full time. Entertainment and art, one of the easiest places to have a unique selling point. Okay, you can charge whatever you want as entertainment because you're the one who does that. But again, like uh, I was in a covers band and we could only charge, well, we charged quite a bit, but we were a good covers band. But if there was another covers band who was better, then we couldn't charge more than them because they'd just hire the other one, you know? But if you create your own music you know if for example you're a session musician who who helps other people do background music for their video games it's your creativity that they're paying for nobody else can compete with you on that you can charge as much as you like especially when you get good at allowing that creativity to adjust to solving somebody's problem when you give them what they're asking for then you can really charge anything you like You aren't serious. I feel one biggest problem normal people have is knowing how to bring themselves into market, find opportunities and sell themselves. That's the next section that we'll be getting into. Okay. We're going to talk about the whole selling aspect of this. Um, and the last category was promotion, marketing and sales. So many businesses out there, especially other creative businesses, they're good at doing this thing. They're terrible at sales. So they can't make a business out of it. There, there's just so many people out there who they're 
the skill is not in business. The skill is in the service. And they just can't seem to master the business thing. Artists are a great example for this. Make great music, great art paintings. And then they just give it away for free and they just sell themselves short and they just don't know why they can't turn it into a business. Right? If you're good at that kind of thing and you love doing it and you love the people who need your help, you know, for example, if you're really good at sales and you love music and you hate to see bands just crash and burn because they can't make any money, there's a potential business there for you to become their marketing manager. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a look at how it means to get started. And by the end of this call, we will have spoken about how to get your first few clients and the whole process behind that. Okay. Just a couple more questions. Yeah, I promise you by the end of this, you will have a way to make money without a single advertising dollar spent. Okay. I have used advertising, but it wasn't worth it. My whole business could have easily been created without a single dollar spent on it. It was just mistakes that I made. Um, but the great thing about a service business, you do not need advertising. You just need access to people. That's it. Anytime you need advertising is if you live on Antarctica and you can't use the internet or something. Um, yeah, the end, thank God for the fucking internet, seriously, <laughs> like business opportunities. Like it used to be who lives in your village. Cause that's your, that's your market. And now it's the whole world, 7 billion plus people and you have access to most of them through the internet. Um, technical issue. Can I use YouTube as a front end sales or do I do my own services back end? We'll see if you still got that question by the end of this. Okay, because I think this might be answered. So let's look at getting started. Okay, and what I mean is going from thinking about a business to actively doing it, that transition. You do not need to formally register a company, advertise, build a website, or any of that stuff to get started. In fact, most of that stuff is just comfort zone escapism. Spend all this time doing a nice website so you don't have to do the uncomfortable relationship building stuff. I know coaches who make high six figures a year and they don't even have a business card, let alone a website. Right? There are people out there who have massively successful businesses. You won't even find them online. And until you get into trouble legally, you can actually make money without being registered as a company. Right? Each, each country has different laws around that, but in New Zealand, you can make up to something like 30 grand a year before you have to declare it for taxes. So you don't need to know any of that shit yet. What you need to know is how to find one person to help. That is the only thing you need to know. And in fact, it is the entire service-based business model. Find someone you can help with your favorite activity. Essentially, building a successful service model is just repeating that over and over again. So what I suggest is whatever it is that you want to do to take the pressure off and to help you get started without worrying about money, do a few for free. So as a coach, I coached a couple of people for free. Because the thing is, charging money is just this tiny blip in the process of creating a client. Creating a client isn't really about charging money. It's about finding someone who wants your service and delivering that service. The money bit's just something you slot in later on. 
So you, doing this for free can teach you the whole process for creating clients without the obligation and the pressure and the mindset fuck around that comes with money. If you go straight into this like, I've got to make money, you're going to be a fucking mess. Right, really. You're going to be so needy and desperate and you're going to drop your integrity and you're going to be chasing money rather than doing what you love. Which is pointless because if you're going to start a business, it's hard to do. It better be something you enjoy. Otherwise, you might as well be an employee. Because it won't be easier than that. All right? Like now my business is easier than being an employee, but for the first four years it wasn't. No fucking way. It was way easier to be an employee. But it's way more fun to do what I do. So understand, if this really is you seeking your passion, then you can relax about how long it's going to take. You're going to build up step by step. You don't have to rush into suddenly being financially successful. You can build up to it. In fact, it's better and more efficient if you allow yourself that build up than if you pressure yourself to suddenly cross some sort of imaginary success line. So what I did is I found two people who wanted coaching and I coached them for free for six months. I coached them for free. Partly I want to know, do I actually know how to coach? I don't want to charge someone money and I don't even know if I'm good at this shit. But I just want to see, do I like it? Is it something I look forward to? You know, do I get home after work and be like, finally, I can do my coaching. I wanted to know the answer to that before I committed, before I made a big life change. So I did it on the side for free. Friends, family, associates, anybody who might be interested. I might, if, if you've got a certain type of business, you might ask them to cover costs if there's more than time involved. For example, I'm not going to be a mechanic for free. I'd get them at least to pay for the parts, right? but I might do the actual working on their car for free. Because the thing is, you actually trying to find someone who will let you do it for free is the same as finding a paying client. But it doesn't have the big money burden attached to it. You keep doing that until you're, you're established like, this is it. This is the thing I want to do and get paid to do. And that's when you start charging money. First dollar is the hardest to charge. To go from free to paid is the hardest step. From there on out, you can just increase it more. So I suggest as a little mindset thing, unless your service is like a year-long intensive thing, but if it's just a few hours, charge like a dollar just so you can get used to asking money for you to do what you love. Because the one dollar, you can change that number easily. It can become 10, 30, 100, 1,000. It's just a change in the word you use. You go from saying that the fee for this will be $1 to the fee for this will be $10,000. Getting used to saying that, you know, I'll work on your car if you, if you give me a dollar. You know, I'll teach you how to play guitar for an hour if you give me a dollar. Right? Once you've crossed that line, then you go, okay, I just need to change the number I say when we have this conversation. The rest of the process is the same. You find someone, hey, would you like to learn guitar? Yeah, you would. Sweet, let's set it up. Right. You can tell them, look, I'm thinking about becoming a guitar teacher. I want to sort of play with it to see if it's worthwhile doing. So I thought I'd do a few for free or maybe just $1 like a token. You keen? You can give me some feedback, maybe a testimonial if you liked it. And you just start like that, just very casually, for fun, no pressure. 
you just do that until it makes sense to make this legitimate until you're like, yeah, I can do this. Like I'm still scared. still don't know entirely what I'm doing. Still fucking clueless about business as a concept, but this as a job, fuck yeah, let's make it happen. Once you're there, then you start looking at charging prices and getting into business seriously. Because once you do it, once you charge your first dollar, then you just get into a process of charging a little bit more each time for the next person. Charge the first person a dollar, second person five dollars, third person ten dollars. When I first started coaching, I charged like twelve hundred dollars for like six months of coaching. Right? Now in New Zealand terms, I charge about four and a half grand for ten sessions. It's quite an increase. But I built up to it. Each time somebody said, fuck, that was awesome coaching. I'm like, okay, bump my prices up a bit. But you don't even need to worry about that shit till you get started. You don't, you don't need to be like, oh, it's not until I'm making a profit that I'm in business. You're in business since t- as soon as you offer your service to someone, you're in business. doesn't matter if they're paying or what. In fact, what you can always do is ask for like a testimonial or a review or feedback for the free ones. So you get used to asking for an exchange of, of value. I'll give you this, you give me that, we're fair. You get used to that kind of conversation, then charging money won't feel weird. Charging a lot of money won't feel weird. We'll be like, this is what I offer, this is what I value it at, do you agree with that? Okay, we swap. Swap your money for my time. It's just a straight up, straight up swap. I'm not taking your money off you, we're swapping something. It's fair trade. When you get that mindset about money, money won't be all fucked up for you when you're in business. You just be like, either this guy thinks it's a fair trade or he doesn't. If he doesn't, we can't do business. If he does, we're both happy. Nobody loses. Yeah. And be flexible and adaptable. As you go and try your thing, be open to the idea that you might change your mind about what that thing should be or who it should be with. I started as a career coach. I tried to help people climb the ladder. Within about six clients, I was focused on people-pleasing. You know, another six clients, I was really focused on nice guys and developing Brojo, right? So I was open to me changing my mind about what type of coaching I do and how I do it. I used to have this real structured thing, a plan of how I do each session. Now I completely freestyle it because I kept having to go off plan with my clients to the point I was like, fuck, this plan's just getting annoying now, right? I let each client change my mind a little bit about what I'm doing. It also allowed each person to change my mind about who I'm working with. There's some people I'm like, fuck, that was awesome. I love that dude. And other people I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to coach again. God. And I had to respond to them like, okay, there's a difference between these two types of people. I've got to work, work more with the first one and less with the second one. How do I know which the difference is? How do I find more of the first one? Right. But all the time, all I'm doing is I'm just trying to find one more person I can serve with this activity, one more problem I can solve. And that is the entire business model. It extrapolates and expands as you get more successful, but that's all it ever is. Where's one more person I can serve? Every day, that's all I'm doing. I got this list, I got this database, thousands of people in it. And I look through it and it, it sorts people into kind of categories and I go, who can I serve today? And I reach out. Yeah. 
that's why you sometimes hear from me on messenger. Sometimes you see YouTube videos coming out. I'm trying to serve someone every time you see anything from me. You see a podcast, you see a blog post. There's someone specific I'm trying to help with that. That's my whole business model. You know, I'm a yoga teacher. Where's somebody who needs to be more flexible? Who's, who's that person today? Where's somebody whose health sucks? I'm a dance teacher. Who needs to meet new people today? Who needs to get out of their comfort zone and, and interact socially? Who needs to get more fit? Where's that person? How can I offer dancing to them? Right. It's the whole business model. And as Tim Ferriss says, a thousand true fans. Get to a thousand people who fucking love you because you serve them so well, you never need to find another client. You've got the foundation for an ongoing business that just keeps feeding you and you feed them and everybody wins. Yeah. So business looks like this big complicated thing, but I promise you in the service-based industry, it's just finding one more person to help with the thing that you love doing. It's, it's the 90% of what you need to be doing. Anything else, building a website, designing a business card, you know, networking. None of that even needs to happen at all. It can help, but nothing helps as much as going, okay, one person specifically, that dude, dude, can I help you with this thing? I nurse, you need help. And then offering, you know. Let's talk about getting started without risks, okay? You guys have already raised a few of the risks, some of them specific to where you live, some of them in your mind, some of them general to business. First and foremost, until someone is paying you for your service, you don't legally have a business, so you don't even need to worry about it. So until you're doing this thing for free, you don't need to worry about the next bit. Okay? Because doing the thing for free might change your mind about it. You might just say, actually, I don't fucking enjoy this. So relax, take pressure off. Once you get towards charging money, we'll start looking at risk management. Dedicate a certain number of hours per week to just practice and experiment without any requirement to succeed or any obligation to last any amount of time doing this. Okay. Like when I started my coaching business, it was about five hours on the weekend and about one hour each night. I broke that rule by doubling it almost every week, but that was it. I just set this time aside. I was like, that's the time I'll try and do this thing. And I'll review this every week and see how I feel about it and adjust accordingly. So I'm still in the free space at this stage. Still just doing this for my own enjoyment. Okay. We will talk about how to find those first people, by the way, um, soon. But I'll put it right in your head right now. Family and friends. Um, minimal investment. Like I said, websites and all that kind of shit, you do not need that for a service-based business. It helps, but you don't need it. You can do the whole thing word of mouth. You can do the whole thing with emails. So forget paying for a fancy website or getting a business card designed or, or paying someone to do a logo for you or any of these big investment things. In fact, you really got to want to hold back on naming your company until you're really sure what the activity is. I made that mistake. My company's called The Inspirational Lifestyle, which is a fucking mouthful. It's awful for a website. Um, and it doesn't even like, doesn't really tell you anything about what I do. 
but I got too excited straight away and I named my business before I even knew what the fuck I was doing. I named it based on like looking for Google search terms that are used a lot. Terrible idea. Now, it doesn't matter. Most of my clients don't even know the name of my business because that shit does not matter. Okay. I've had people who have been coaching with me for years, never even been to my website once. All right. You don't need any of that shit. It's an illusion. It's a distraction and it's a pointless investment before you're sure about what you're doing. You can get well into business without spending a dollar. It just costs you time. Right? The only investment, ironically, and very, very much biased uh, that I'd recommend is coaching and mentorship. Okay? Doing this on your own, once you're serious about it, is way fucking harder than doing it with. Like once I finally got a coach, I was, I'd been coaching for free for about three months. I was starting to get sure that I wanted to do it. I hired a coach and suddenly like half of the problems were solved overnight. But again, you still don't need to do any of that at first. Finding someone to help with your service, all that can be done for free. Okay. Just focus on that. Ignore the fancy stuff. Ask yourself, whenever you go to invest your time or money in something, will this directly help me find the next person to serve? If the answer is no or I'm not sure, then don't do it. All right. Do it on the side of another job. Okay. Unless you're sure that you have all the business savvy and skills, like you've been doing this as an employee for 10 years and you're just going to slip into a consultancy position. Um, just do this for free on the side. It's never a conflict of interest as long as you're not charging money. Um, or if you're really willing to take a risk, get a nice big loan that you're willing to lose on. You know, that you're happy to pay off without anything coming from it. But just do it in a way where you don't have to be worried about money. I'm telling you, there's a, I keep emphasizing that because your mindset about money will really determine how well you do in this business. All right? If you can be cool about money, then you'll actually do well with money. If you're stressed and desperate and pressured around it, you're going to struggle. Okay. Take care of conflict of interest while being an employee. Like I said, if you do it for free, it's nearly always not a problem. You can charge later once you're established, or you can usually just declare it to your employer um, and, and work through it. Just don't do it sneaky. Okay. I kind of did that when I got started and then I managed to declare it, but if I'd been snapped, uh, like charging money for coaching when I was a probation officer, uh, I could have gotten a lot of trouble because the Department of Corrections um, reputation could have been affected by my external interests going to the code of conduct. But seriously, just doing a job on the side, one that gives you the most possible time to work on this thing. So it might actually, maybe the first step for you is to change your job to something that's less demanding on your time and then work on your side business and your job just becomes something you see as capital for your business. It's providing the resources until your business can take over that job. You don't need to commit to anything until you're 80% ready. All right. Just play with it until you're like, okay, I could definitely do this. I'm getting good feedback. I'm scared, but I can see this really happening. I, I know what I'm doing now. Until you're there, just play. Experiment, fuck around with it. Dedicate X number of weeks and be disciplined with that, but no obligation. You don't have to do anything. You know, and from there, once you start charging money from this, you know, work within your income. Anything that doesn't need to be bought, don't buy it. Be very minimalist. 
right? Leave big purchases until you absolutely need them, not just because you feel like it or it seemed like a good idea impulsively. You know, budgeting is super important at the start, especially if you're an employee who's used to a steady paycheck. You're going to spend like a fucking idiot when you become an entrepreneur because entrepreneur money isn't steady. You can have a big month like I did and then six months of nothing like I did. And you end up having to get a loan like I did. Okay. It wasn't a problem of the amount of income. It was how I was spending. I was spending like that first month was going to continue. It wasn't. It was a fucking fluke. All right. Entrepreneurship's like that. You might sell, especially my type of business where each sale is like a big ticket item, but they're very few and far between. You might have a few in a month and you're just like, oh my God, I'm killing it. It's going to be awesome. You start buying all the shit and you're like, oh, nobody for a couple of months now. What the fuck's going on? And then you get yourself into some problems. Yeah. Spend like my, my, just my basic uh, uh, kind of advice on that. Your first couple of years, imagine you're going to have six months with no sales. Spend accordingly. Okay. If after a couple of years, you'll know what your average income is and so on. You have a sense of how reliably you can create clients and so on. Then you can adjust like living with a bit more luxury or whatever. But ultimately, I'm still minimalist now. Cause I love my work so much. I don't need to buy shit anyway, but in particular buying shit for your business, you'll think you need something. Do you make sure you know, do you need it to directly get to client? Yes, you do need an internet connection, right? Yes. You might need a good camera and microphone if you're doing these kinds of conversations, but it doesn't have to be the best. It just has to be good enough. You can upgrade your shit once you're doing well. You should watch my early YouTube videos. They're fucking horrific, right? They don't even fit the YouTube screen properly because I didn't know how to format it. But it was good enough. It was all for free. And please don't spend any money on advertising. You actually probably won't need to do it for your entire business. You can, but most people who tell you you need to are because they're selling advertising, right? Your clients will come from effort, not investment. It'll come from you going out, getting uncomfortable, building relationships with people, not from just appearing on their newsfeed. I've literally spent over 10 grand on advertising and not had a single dollar come back in return. Right? And I've had people analyze it and say, I'm good at advertising. Right? Now, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the same results for you, but what I do know is that if I'd taken that effort, kept that money for myself, and taken that effort into just reaching out to someone and serving them, I would have done way better off. I know that as a fact because I've tracked exactly how my effort leads to income. So let's answer the question now that you really want to answer. How do you get your first few clients? Yeah. So we're going to talk now about really, we're going to finish off by talking about the basics of authentic sales and marketing. When I say authentic, I mean you can buy a million books out there that teach people how to manipulate psychology to cause a sale to happen my personal opinion if you want a long-standing service business it needs to be genuine okay it can't be somebody goes fuck i can't believe he tricked me into buying this or that can work <laughs> tony robbins you ever seen his events the fucking sales my god 
finely tuned psychological manipulation, big hype up and adrenaline rush, followed by scarcity statements, all the stuff that he does. You know, it's the one thing I don't like about him. So it does work. The guy NLPs the shit out of people and just getting sales or as his team does, but you don't need to do it that way. And I'm going to show you a very simple, easy way to do it. That won't feel disgusting. You won't have to use techniques and strategies. You'll just talk to people. Okay. So how to do this. First off, it's mostly about mindset. If you keep service isn't in your mind as a priority and money is secondary, you won't end up doing weird, creepy, desperate stuff to scare people off. Because the thing is, you selling your service is serving somebody. For a couple of reasons. One is, you withhold your best stuff for paying clients. Right? So they get access to that best stuff. That's what they're getting access to. That's the service. And secondly, when people invest in a service, they make use of it. I've learned this from doing... Um, well, from every single piece of thing about it I've ever read. But also, whenever I've coached for non-monetary means, like if I coach someone for free or if I swap something, like they help me with my website or something, it never has the same effect as somebody pays for coaching. Even somebody on a payment plan. Right? When somebody gives up their hard-earned cash for something, they fucking make the most of it. When it doesn't cost them financially, they can kind of give or take it. They lose a bit of motivation. Eh. Like if you give someone yoga in exchange for like bringing a sandwich each time, one time they can just be like, nah, fuck it. But if they prepaid eight sessions of yoga, they're probably going to come to all eight. Right? So you actually really do help people by charging them money. You help them get over their little fluctuations of motivation. Because the sad truth about money is it moves people. So why not use this in a helpful, healthy way? Right. Service businesses are built on personal relationships. You might be thinking, who are these strangers? These like You've got these avatars in your head with a big question mark. Who are these people that are going to come out of the wilderness and become my clients? The truth is you already know your first 50 or maybe your first 10. You've met them already. You're already in a relationship with them. You've just never charged them money for something before. Right? My, first, my first two free clients, one was a friend and one was a friend of a friend. My first paying client was a friend who helped me review my book. My second paying client was somebody who was in my dance team. My third, paying, my third and fourth paying clients were people I used to work with at Corrections. And this went on, it was about my 20th client that was a stranger. This is thousands of dollars down the track now. Okay. And I'm not a guy with a huge network in comparison to anybody else. I mean, I kind of am now, but back then, it was just the people in my life. Friends, friends of friends, work colleagues, their friends and family, people at my hobbies. You've got to demystify who your clients are. Basically, anyone can be your client and you know most of the first few clients already. That's why you don't need advertising. They're already in your network. Okay. You just never considered them being a client before. The way I think about it as a mechanic, I've got a friend who's a mechanic. 
And for a box of beers, he'll help me with my car. He's charging me money for a service. It's just, I'm doing the purchasing for him, what he's going to spend that money on anyway. Right? And he's charging me a discounted rate, sure. But the thing is, I'm now his client. That's what's actually happening here. And it's really no more mystical than that. You find something, you solve their problem, you can already be friends with them, you can go out for a beer afterwards. But there's a little role swap at some point where you do a service and they pay you money for it. Okay. And when it comes to finding your first free people, this is why I say friends and family, because you're actually practicing on the people who are likely to be your first few clients. Okay. I've had people that I've coached for free for practice who have ended up buying products and services from me later on. That was actually the beginning of our relationship. And in fact, every single coaching relationship I have begins with free services. I build a relationship for free first. Because I don't know where it's going to go. Maybe this person will just end up being a mate. Maybe I'll never hear from them again. Maybe they'll teach me something. Or maybe they'll be a client. So I just build a relationship first and foremost. The whole business is built on this. You can do a whole business without a website, advertising, anything. You're just looking for someone. You're reaching out to them. You're asking other people to find people for you. You don't need ads, websites, or anything for that. You just need time, effort, and courage. Because it's going up to a friend and saying, hey, can, you, can I do this thing for you? And then maybe you pay me for it. It's going to feel weird at first. And then you'll realize, actually, they feel guilty if they get shit for free for too much. They're going to like it better if it's equal. And then charging money isn't that hard. I'd say I'm good friends with most of my clients. You know, I got this guy in the UK, I've been coaching him for two years, and on a trip to the UK, we just went out and had a beer together. You know, we can be both. I didn't coach him while we we're having a beer because we we're just having a beer together. And then the very next week I do a session with him, and I'm back to coaching. It doesn't have to be weird. Right? Track every single contact. Your first, first uh, th action to do is to list 50 people you know who might benefit from your service. Not strangers, 50 people you already know. Go through your friends list, go through your email list, go through Facebook. Right, look at your family members. Who can I practice on? Who could I help? Who might like this? Who might know someone who would like this and can put me in touch? There's nobody in there, even the most isolated person in the world can find 10 people. Right? I guarantee you, especially you guys on this call, you can find 50. So you make that first 50 and then you rank them according to likelihood. So the person who's most likely to be hot for what it is that I do, put them at the top. person I fucking have no idea what they like or they actively don't like this sort of thing, I'll put them at the bottom. Okay. Once you made that list, you're just going to reach out to them. There's no technique or strategy. It's going to be, dude, I'm looking to start a business doing this X service. I want to practice on you. Are you cool with that? I noticed you got this problem. I'd love to solve it because I'm looking at maybe doing this for a job. It's a very simple process where you're reaching out, offering to help with full intentions on the table as to why you're doing it. It's actually the same process as finding a paying client who's a stranger. You practice on people you know first. Okay. Now I'll come back to these questions when I finish this little section. Cool. Ah, oh, fuck. 
Um, Zoom's just doing a weird thing at the moment. If you guys can, um, let me just see if I can fix this here. You guys can just turn your cameras on and off. Um, it's just my screen's going weird. You won't be able to see what's going on, but my screen's going weird. Cool, thank you. Um, awesome. So as you're going through and reaching out to people, this actually, I should be making this point second. Just track every single contact. Start with a spreadsheet, perhaps. Who are they? What are their contact details? Notes about whether or not they're keen. And a date for the next time you're going to reach out to them. All right, that's the start of your database. Every time you get any sort of contact with someone that you might be able to serve, you put them into this database and you put them on a rotation. How often are you going to contact them? If they seem really hot, you're going to contact them really quickly and often. And if they seem that maybe one day they might be interested, you put them on like two monthly, right? Just check-ins and everything in between, all right? You, know, you want to fill this list with as many people as possible so that eventually the time you have dedicated to this business is spent just reaching out to the next people on the list, offering service, offering support in some way, right? You're trying to serve them even if they don't want to buy, that's the mindset you want to get into. Who can I help today? Even if it's one person a day, by the end of the year, that's hundreds of people. Right? Hundreds of people is a database for a business. You're good to go now. But that's the only question you have to answer in this business. Who's one person I can identify today that I could help with the thing that I do? And the thing that you do might be a range. For example, Ultimately, what I do is coaching, but I serve people by making them little videos or sending them links to something that I think will help them or just chatting online. You know, my actual service starts at a very low level. Once I get to a point of wanting a certain level of help, then I put in a bit of a, a barrier saying, now for that level of help, we're going to have to cross the money line. You know, because that's taking a significant portion of my time. But underneath that line, I'll just help you as much as I'm free to help you. And as your business goes on, more people pay you, they take priority over the people who don't. And this kind of naturally filters itself. And your demand goes up. Yeah. All you're doing is just trying to serve the people you can serve the most. That's it. So it's not a mystery how to find a client. Because you're not trying to find a client, you're trying to find someone you can serve. And then if they're responsive to that, then they can become a client. So what you want to do is you want to show them it's worth it instead of selling. I don't sell coaching. I just coach. I just go to someone, I give them a free coaching session. Right? Then I usually give them one more. And then I go, you want more? I don't have to be like, you know why you need coaching? Because of blah, 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 and statistics and features, benefits. I don't do that. I just be like, bro, you either like that or you didn't. You either think that's worth what I charge or you don't. That's your choice. That's, that's actually got very little to do with me. My decision is whether or not I want to work with you. I have to figure that out before I offer anything more. Being a mechanic, being a yoga teacher, being an IT solutions guy, same process. You go help them in a way, you're going to have to figure this out based on your business. Like if your whole service only takes an hour and you do it for free and it's only needed once a year, you're going to kind of shoot yourself in the foot by giving it away for free, but maybe you give 10 minutes of it away. 
right? Or a demonstration of some kind. Or you do a lower level, like let's say you solve somebody's calendar problem in IT. You just give them uh, three quick tips on how to manage your time better. If they like that, you go, well, I can also actually manage your whole calendar. Let me know if you want it. Or if you've got a monthly service, you give them the first month for free and they can quit any time. It's kind of the thing, we never have to sell, you just give them the value and then they can, they can feel it and experience it. You don't have to convince them of anything. Sales usually means convincing them of the value before they've experienced it. Which means if you bullshit them, you're going to get refunds and bad reviews and everything like that. There's a reason I don't get bad reviews with my coaching. It's because no one's paying for it until they already like it. Okay. I'm not going to get bad reviews. I'm not going to get, you know, I, that's not entirely true. When I first started, there's a few people who just signed up for coaching, but I learned that that's a real red flag. If anyone pays for coaching without experiencing coaching, they're usually deluded and they're going to quit straight away. So, you know, I learned that because this is the thing I love to coach. So it doesn't feel like I've lost anything by not charging for a few sessions. I love making videos. Listen to me. Obviously I fucking love talking, right? I'm full of it. So I've made a business out of it. That's why when I do a webinar, like, like last week, I think it was or the week before, it was just me and Alex, you know, nobody showed up. Did I bail? Fuck no. In fact, when Alex went off to make breakfast, I kept talking. I was by myself. That's how much I enjoy doing this stuff. That way I don't have to worry about giving it away for free. I'm not giving it away for free. I'm just doing it, doing the thing I like. And at a certain point, I start charging money for it. That's it, which makes it even better, right? But it was good without that. That's why it's so important to follow this kind of way of doing it. If you enjoy doing it for free, the money thing's going to be a whole lot easier for you. If the money thing is a deciding factor, if it's a deal breaker, if not getting paid makes this suck, it's going to be really hard for you. Not impossible, but really hard and really unenjoyable. Yeah. So demos, trials, samples, free sessions, limited, but enough to give them a real taste of it and to know whether or not it's worth what you charge. So that way you're not selling. You're just saying, is this worth what I charge in your opinion? Right. The first dollar is the hardest, really. Going from free to paid is the hardest step. Once you're there, that dollar is just a number. It's just a word that changes. There's really no difference in significance between charging a dollar or 10,000. They're just different words. Okay. The person either thinks it's that valuable or they don't. They either think it's worth a dollar or 10,000. It's, it's not on you. It's on you to provide a good service. You know, so once you've done that first dollar, you can incrementally increase your pricing until you're like, okay, I need to quit my day job now because this is the real deal. Right? Before you even consider advertising or any other marketing, scrape your network clean. Make sure every person you've ever fucking heard of has been offered something. Then you look for strangers. Friends, family, referrals, Facebook, email list, your hobbies, people at the local coffee shop that you see each week. Make sure everyone's being ticked off before you go, okay, I need to do some advertising. All right. Make sure everyone there, you've gone and built a relationship with them and seen if they've needed or they could benefit from the service you provide. Not sales, just exploring their problems to see if you can solve them. That's it. 
You want to chase no's rather than yeses, okay? Rather than trying to go and get clients, try and get rejected by as many people as possible. They're trying to get money, trying to get people to say no to your offer for a service. Get to 100 before you even consider whether or not to continue as a business. You want 100 no's as a measurement, not 100 yeses. You can't control yeses, but you can go out and get no's. Like, dude, do you like that coaching session? All right, do you want to pay for some more? No? Okay, there's one. Off on to the next one. I can't guarantee this, but as long as you're doing something you love and you're constantly building your skill at it and you're bold, by 100 no's, you'll have a business. Okay, as long as you're making sure that they get to experience your value before you offer a paid service. All right. That they're saying no to something that they've had a good taste of. They've experienced of what, how much value it could be. And then they've said no to the paid version. Cool. And it's just, it's a great self-development thing. Your first few no's, you're going to feel all down on yourself and you're going to be all nervous asking and stuff. By number 50, you're like, come on, let's get this over with so I can move on to the next one. And won't have that personal feel to it anymore. But yeah, the first few definitely sting, <laughs> put it that way. Because I actually started with yeses. I had people come and ask for coaching because I was too scared to ask myself. So I didn't have my first no until a couple of people down the track. And then that one was like punched in the face because I had a pure track record till then. Nowadays, of course, I'm at about 80% no rate. Most people say no to me. Right? That's fine. Because usually no is actually just not right now. They end up becoming clients later on. Um, but no's just have no effect on me now. If someone says no, it's because we're not right to work together. End of story. Why would anyone take that personally? Ask them what they want and then deliver it. You've got your service, but ask them how, how it needs to happen for them. You know, What is it that specifically they need solved? So when I go to coach someone, I just... Ask them, like, what, what are we going to be working together on? What kind of coaching do you need from me for this to be helpful? Right. Now, I have to wrap this up in about 10 minutes. So I want to open this up to questions and stuff. Um, I had a few more points, but they're not that important. We just need to do the video reset thing again because my stupid computer's gone weird. So if you could just uh, turn your videos on and off, that would be good. Um, That's as simple, really, as it is to start a business. I'm going to look at your guys' questions in a second. Figure out what you can do that serves somebody. And you go offer people that service. End of story. It, sound, it looks like it should be more complicated than that. It's really not. Adding money to that isn't actually changing it. Okay? It's just making sure that there's a fair trade involved. Right? Uh, I think, Alex, actually, you're a great example. Your, your free membership came from helping me with those videos, remember? Trade. Right? And sometimes I do that. I don't do it with coaching anymore because I've just had a lot of bad experiences. But with lower level stuff, especially, especially stuff like uh, membership where it's no extra effort for me to allow someone in, um, I'll do little exchanges. You know, this, I'm not primarily about the money. There are a lot of people I work with who are a bit too broke or whatever for what I do. So I find something to make it work usually. 
right? Or when I can. Sometimes I'm broke and I can't do it just then. But, you know, when I can, I can. Because you could give me a billion dollars, I'm still going to be coaching next week. I'll just do it for free. You know, that's how much I love this. It's hard to find something that good, maybe. But it's not impossible to find something you like. Something where getting paid for it seems like icing on the cake rather than a necessary requirement. Let me have a look at some of the questions you got coming through. Where did I finish off? Uh, so, okay, first, okay, finding the first person. I think we covered that. How do you know he or she needs help? Either you've seen a sign from them or you just ask. So, for example, my first client, I had no idea that she needed help but we just went out for a beer to talk about my book and then she kind of revealed all the stuff. And I said, well, you know, I've been coaching these two people for free. You want to do some coaching? You know, so it was revealed to me, but I'm just building a relationship with it. I'm just spending time chatting with someone because you want someone to talk to. Right. There'll be other people. Let's say uh, you're a dance teacher and someone on Facebook's like, I'm fucking bored. What should I do? You know, like what's something I can do to make my life more interesting. You'd be like, ha, there's a red flag. That's what I do. Solve that problem. So some people are obvious. And then later on, we won't talk about this because it's like a separate session, but later on you can kind of provoke that. So for example, I ask questions in my Facebook groups and people who need help with that particular problem make themselves known so I can focus on them. Yeah. Well, there's other people who skip over that post. There's certain people who comment on videos because it really struck a chord with them. Right. So content is a way that you can find people. Um, but mostly you just make that list of 50 people and you go and ask them, say, hey, I'm doing this. I want to practice on someone. You up for it? Do you need this? Know someone who does? If they say no, if anyone says no, always go, do you know someone else who does? Right. You double your network just like that. Um, Alex says, you know, trying to, do videos and designs for quite a long time, probably not trying enough. Look, Alex, I know you've got legitimate legal and complications and stuff with Russia, but there's really no reason to not do the thing. Getting paid to do it might be tricky. But what I think is happening is that trickiness is probably putting you off getting started on just doing it. You know, get out there, do it for your own enjoyment. You did a good job on my videos, you know, the ones that you did for me. There are a lot of people in my line of work who need that shit done. You've seen my videos. They're pretty average quality because I'm not good at that shit. There's a lot of people like me, same problem. They've got good content to put out there, but they're not designers. They don't have patience for the back end. You can solve that problem for them. Just find more people to help, one more person. Do it for free. I'd recommend you to someone, you know. So serve people until they actually think, fuck, this guy's worth recommending. Yuan says, how easy it is, is it for you to claim expense against your business? Uh, it's very easy. It's too easy before the audits. Um, basically, anything that you can say was needed for the business can be claimed. You can't get away with like food and, and rent, but part of my rent I can, like the part that takes up this office, things like that. Um, but I think that's a question that you don't need to answer yet. Get the activity rolling. Okay. Questions like this actually slow you down. 
and I'm not uh, shit on your question here, but what I'm saying is your brain's going to throw up all these dilemmas constantly that don't actually need to be solved yet. And it's just a delay tactic because your brain's afraid of you getting into this. So every single business question that comes up for you, ask yourself, do I need to know the answer right now? And if the answer is no, put it aside, put it on a list somewhere, save it in a file and get back to finding someone to serve. It's uh, I make no mistake. This is going to be one of your biggest barriers to starting a business is trying to solve problems that don't exist yet. It's just a delay tactic by your brain. It's just fear. Okay. Christian, how do you draw the line with friends and relatives? If your friend needs advice, do you tell them to buy a coaching session with you? Um, what I'd say is there's no line for someone I can help for free. The rare exception, I might not coach my mum and dad. I think that I couldn't quite do that, but I've coached two of my cousins um, quite consistently. When it comes to paying money, I've actually got a whole video on this. Um, it's case by case decision. But I always think, what if I was a mechanic? Would I do it completely for free? Right. Got to remember, because every hour you help someone, you're not helping someone else. It's just a consideration. Maybe you've got lots of free hours, but if they are now taking up time that a paying client could take up, that needs to be talked about. I'd love to help you, but you're actually getting in the way of me making money. Can we find some sort of agreement here? And you can just be open and honest in these discussions. But in terms of just helping someone with your service for free, get that bit going first rather than trying to answer this question. Answering the question, should I charge them money, comes up after you get to the point where they're asking, okay, so how do we continue with this? That's when you figure out whether or not money is going to become involved or some other exchange. Yuan says, I'm offering my little sister life coaching for a dollar per session. That's what I love, symbolic exchange. A dollar's not much, but you know, we've got the $1 memberships with Brojo now. It's great because it really sorts people into categories. You know, it's amazing how someone's like, oh, I really love your service. It's really helpful, but they won't give me a dollar a month. That tells me something. They don't really value it. You know, I'm going to have to wrap this up in a second. Um, so a dollar a session, some token amount, something you're both comfortable with when it comes to really close friends and family, but really close friends and family is usually a single digit number, right? There's not that many people you're going to be super tight with. Now there'll be people you see every week and you call them friends and associates, but they're all in the potential client category. Okay. Right. I've had people I dance with for years. They pay full freight just like I'd pay them full if I went and got their service from their business. Right? I'm good friends with my dance teachers. They still charge me full amount, right? Of course they fucking do. I'd feel weird if they didn't. I'd feel guilty if they didn't. I'd be like, I'm taking food out of their mouth. They worked 10 years to learn these skills. 20 years, 50. I owe them. Right? Let's make this fair so both of us can enjoy this without somebody feeling guilty. Okay. So you want to say there's no shame in asking for help, no shame in expressing a goal of offering service for money, starting small. Exactly. You don't have to hide anything. That's sales. Just be open. Look, I'm planning to start a business. Let's make it a dollar a session just so that it, uh, there's some exchange. I need to get used to asking for money for this. 
and make sure you limit anything you're offering for free as practice. Don't say, oh, I'll coach you forever. You know, three months in a testimonial or five sessions and we'll see from there. And prep them, you know, I'm planning to go into business, so this won't always be free. Right. Um, yeah, as Yuan says, if you're getting no's, it means you've asked. That's why I say chase no's. It's actually something I got from a prosperous coach, Rich Litvin. Once you hear a no, an emphatic, I don't want this, then you know you've actually asked for it or offered it. Okay. Until you hear a no, you've been unclear. You're wondering why you're not getting clients. Well, if you're not hearing no's, it means you're not offering it properly. You'll know when you're offering it properly. No's will tell you. So if you're not getting clear and distinct no, then you're still not offering. Sometimes you'll get like online, you'll get someone not respond to you and that's the no. Chase them up. Chase them up until they block you. I do that. I'll be like, dude, I'm still waiting to hear back from you. I'm losing sleep. Yes or no? Put me out of my misery here. I send messages like that. Because I just want to fucking end this thing. I want conclusion. And I want to also challenge them to stop ducking and avoiding a confrontation. It's actually a service from me to get them to say no. and pushing them to be more assertive. So even getting someone to say no is a service. I'm not letting them hang around and maybe and half commitment. Calling them out, you know. Christian says, my brain tells me that I must become an expert first, master the skills, and then I'll feel enough to get out and start offering. No, you'll become an expert by doing it. You'll start as a beginner. It's a great way to, that's a great reason you start for free. It's legitimate. You can't charge full freight for something that everyone else is better than you at, you know. I'm not going to go teach yoga and charge money for it when I don't even know what yoga is. Right? But you don't need to be good to get started. Frankly, you don't even need to be good to ch charge money. But if you want to have integrity, you're going to get better before you charge money. But the, actually, the value is up to the client. If someone says that was awesome, it doesn't matter how you felt about it. They got value from it. Right? You let them decide whether or not it's worth paying for. Yeah, Alex, you're trying to do free stuff, but people don't continue. Uh, we won't go into that today, but if you're giving away free stuff and nobody's sort of wanting more and you know that your stuff is decent or even they're giving you positive feedback, but they don't want to pay for anything, then you're choosing the wrong people to work with. But that is a more advanced thing. Okay. And I've actually got some videos on that that I can send through. So Alex, if you remind me, I'll send you through some videos on qualifying clients, how to find better people who are more likely to pay. All right. But the fact that you're getting out there and trying to do it for free, great. You know, I also noticed you didn't ask me for an exchange. You just did it for free and that was it. So maybe you got to ask more aggressively. Are they saying no or they're just not continuing? Because those are two different things. Get them all to say no to a paid service. And then you'll know you're at least offering. Then you'll know whether or not they were a good fit. Yeah. Um, and 
yeah, portfolio as you and says, if you're doing stuff for free, that's kind of like design or anything like that. Like I do videos where I help someone. I don't just hide those videos away. They go into my YouTube channel. So that way, if this person doesn't appreciate it, maybe somebody else will. And what's amazing is so often the clients that come to me from YouTube weren't the ones I made the video for. It's somebody else who saw that video. Your designs may not work for the person you made it for, but maybe somebody else would like it. So make sure it's somewhere public where everyone can get their hands on it and explore it. Maybe you've got, like I said, if you're designing something, it's portfolios. If it's content, you do videos. You know, if it's services, you do free trials. You find a way that everyone can get a taste of what you do. You don't have to explain it to them. They can just experience it. Now, I'm sorry, lads, I'm on a real tight schedule and I have to sign off now. Um, but thank you guys so much for coming along. I hope this was helpful. I know this just opens the door to a whole lot of other issues. But really, just getting started, you have everything you know. Go find someone, try and serve them. Case closed, right? All the follow-up stuff, we will do more sessions on later on. So once you guys are in business and the other problems come up, the real ones, not the imagined ones, we'll get into it. Cool? Alrighty, lads, thanks a lot for coming along. I'll see you all next time. Cheers.